my sexy end of the year, almost 2022 confidants. Welcome to another episode of Confidently Insecure, the podcast where we are absolutely sure we don't know everything. And of course, on the last episode of the year, you know, you guys, you know me, I know you, you know, I was not going to talk about anything other than sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me and our expert this week that I'm so excited to bring onto the podcast. She is a sex educator, an LGBTQ plus inclusive TikToker and podcaster. She's got a whole entire TikTok show dedicated to sexual education called The Sex Ed Show. And she's not just talking sex, baby. She's got a motherfucking master's in public health. She went to Berkeley and Columbia. So you know she's legit AF. Welcome to the podcast, Danielle Bezalel. Wow, that was an excellent intro. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to chat oh with you. Oh my gosh. I'm so jazzed to talk. I've seen your TikToks everywhere. You have to tell me because like it's not just a subject that you're talking about on the side. Like you went to school for this shit. So tell me what made you want to get into this industry? <laughs> industry. I say it as if it's like a porn industry. I'm like, what made you want to get into the sex sexual industry? But the the sexual wellness <laughs> industry. <laughs> of course. No, we're on the same page. I mean, if if I did porn, that would be fantastic. That's not my yeah. my jam, but that's great. Uh, um for, for sex workers who do. <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> but yeah, I kind of have this twofold kind of answer when it comes to what made me want to get into the sex ed field. One very simple my mom is kind of my first answer. She <laughs> might be a weird one, but let me explain. Uh, she Go is on. An, okay. She is an OBGYN. Um, and ever since I was little, you know, we talked placenta at the dinner table. It was very normal. Very much talking about how many centimeters dilated someone was before she had to go get the pizza. Um, so oh that was... God. Yep, she put in my first tampon, you know, leg up on the toilet oh seat. Oh, my gosh. Came up in there. Wow. I really, yes, I didn't know what I was doing. The angles were off, and I was like, just come in the bathroom. I need That's your help. That's a bonding so, experience. Yeah, so I'm happy that I had a mom like that who I was able yeah. to kind of follow in her footsteps when it came to really advocating for women's mm. and really all people's reproductive rights and really just try to understand how important that was. And there's a second story that I tell. I'll tell an abridged version because it's kind of a long one. But I was teaching English in Israel the year after I graduated from my undergrad. Wow. Berkeley, as you mentioned. Go Bears. Yes. Um, and Let's go. I, and yes. And, uh, you know, we our teaching cohort went to this really religious community in Jerusalem called the Community of the Bells. And this rabbi was there showing us mm. around and his traditions and his, you know, temple and everything. And he kind of offhandedly mentions that he has five daughters and when all of his daughters reach the age of 17 or 18 they get married off by the matchmaker and they don't mm. learn about sex until their wedding night when they oh, have it for the first time jesus a lot of issues there obviously yeah. um really just a few. not great yep just yeah. a few very bridgerton like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, even worse probably, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, um, because he was like, you know, we pray that they get pregnant that night, and so you know, Ooh. folks knowingly put their daughters and community members into these positions where they don't have the education, they don't have autonomy, mm. they don't have consent, 
Um, and I, mm. as a 21-year-old just graduating from college, thought it was the perfect time to raise my hand and uh, try to put that <laughs> rabbi in his place and say, um, I don't agree with this. What about what they want? And what about their bodies? And what if they're not ready to be mothers? And, you know, it all happened so fast, but those are kind of the questions I feel like I asked. And he kind of just brushed me off and was like, this is how it goes here. And so it was in that moment wow. that I decided, you know what, I really want to dedicate a big portion of my life to making sure that yeah. that's not how it is. And so that's when I kind of started looking into public health programs and trying to understand like what it means to be a sex educator and how I could use my personality and grow, you know, social media platforms in order to do just that. I have so many questions. I mean, what an amazing story. I mean, unfortunate, <laughs> but amazing story of how you got into this field. I, I want to just re re rewind back to your mom, because it sounds like we have very similar moms. Like my mom was the same kind of oh. way where she was never afraid to talk. She was like, it's a vagina. We're going to call it that. Like, this is what it does. It can be pleasure. It can be pain. Like she had no, I, I was very lucky too. And I feel like for so many people, maybe even a lot of listeners listening, they don't have that kind of relationship with their mom. And I think, or a parent no. or, you know, a guiding force in their life. And I feel like our generation is really the ones that are kind of doing the learning on our own, right? Like, thank God for social media. Thank God for YouTube videos. Do you find, even though like we're the, the waking up generation when it comes to sexual education, that are we still stunted? Are there still roadblocks? Like, are we still being held back? Like, I know the answer is yes, but like, you tell me about it. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, you're right. Like, luckily, we do have all of these resources and there's so much fat positivity. Like, that was never around. I don't know about, no. like, when I was a kid. I just no. turned uh, 29 yesterday. Yesterday! Was my birthday, so yes, pretty happy cool. birthday! Thank you so much. Happy birthday, birthday, birthday! <laughs> Yeah, I'm 31, but, so I was even, like, a few okay. years behind you in that, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like when we were kids, you know, that wasn't available. That wasn't a thing. No. And TV shows and movies are definitely, uh, and we'll get into this later in the interview, like, are an awesome force that are providing comprehensive mm -hmm. sexual health education for people. But at the same time, like, we are receiving those messages and that content because it's in our algorithm orbit. Mm -hmm. And so what are people who don't follow sex-positive comedians, sex-positive personalities, sexual health mm -hmm. educators, are they receiving mm -hmm. that? Like, maybe not. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it is incumbent upon us as this generation mm. who has access to these things now to make sure that our younger generations have even more, less restricted access, whether that be in schools, we have to fight laws to make sure that they're equal and that we're really advocating for minority groups and mm. all of the above. So my answer is yes, mm. we're lucky and that there's a ton more work <laughs> to do. 100%. I grew up in Florida which was a very religious upbringing. And I found with my sex therapist, when I was seeing a sex therapist, you know, this was when I was starting, well, gosh, it was like 2015 when I started, uh, that my biggest struggles getting through so much of my sexual journey was that shame associated with religion. 
I, I know I'm going out of order with questions. No, and stuff not and at like all. Throwing new things at you. Um, but I told you this would happen with me being off my Adderall. Um, fair <laughs> warning. Um, do you see, and especially with finally getting out of this fucking Trump era that we were in, do you see like this resurgence of religious shame in your work? Or is that like a question? Because for me, that was like number one was even though I had been out of the church for over 20 years, that was still where my, you know, monkey brain rebooted back to in situations of, of sexy time. <laughs> Absolutely. No. And I think in terms of the word resurgence, like that never went away, right? That is so mm. omnipresent in mm. many, many people's learnings. Like the most common mm. questions that we get, I would say, really have to do with a, like people coming from a religious background, which are Am I mm. masturbating too much? Is like the number one <laughs> question that we get. Really? Yes, which is based wow. on complete religious background, shame, mm -hmm. stigma, disinformation. Mm -hmm. And also, mm -hmm. this is kind of related to, you know, this lack of information and lack of resources. But am I pregnant is really like the second oh, question wow. that people ask. And first of all, no one can give you that answer over Instagram. That's number one. <laughs> and Fair. number two, you know, I really, I feel like I try to toe that line of making content mm. to explain these answers, but it's really tough with a 10 slide grid post maximum, right? Because there are yeah. so many taboos to break. There's so much stigma and there's years and years of unlearning, as you mentioned, because yes. if you went to church for 20 years of your life and you're learning from your religious leaders that masturbation is bad sex before marriage is shameful it's sinful you're going to mm. go to hell of course you're going to want to know oh i'm doing this what they don't know is very normal masturbation activity more often than not it's mm. typical and normal and they feel like it's shameful and there's something wrong with them so i think that mm. it this as long as religion will be around which again you know it's been around for thousands and thousands of years Ever. that's the, <laughs> yes. the one book that's the highest selling book yep. is the bible um, oh god then, don't remind me <laughs> <laughs> then then we're going to have this shame and so we're going to need mm. to actively engage with that and like mm. i mentioned a lot of unlearning needs to happen Tell me about unlearning, because I think that that's applicable to so many feelings with sex, right? Like, I just finished, I'm sure you watched Sex, Love, and Goop on Netflix. It was, I actually haven't took, watched that. Oh, my gosh, you haven't? Okay, I normally don't give, like, recommendations on this show, but I... It was so controversial. I had heard about it before I saw it actually on my Netflix feed. And I'm like very meh about Goop and Gwyneth Paltrow and like her white woman wellness stuff. But I'm I really do think glad that... we're on the same page about that. Because I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. no, are you a Goop oh, fiend no. or what is it? No, 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 not at all. And like I saw some of her wellness stuff and I was like, this is interesting. And I think in an entertainment format, it's she's doing good work. I'm not going to sure. buy anything from her, but in this subject particularly I had heard about it on other podcasts and on like Twitter and stuff before I had actually seen it because there is a therapist who works with a lesbian couple who practices actual body work like physical physical therapy penetration with mm. uh, like toys and and helping women who maybe need or you know people who need to cross that barrier of penetrate penetrative sex and what does that pain feel like you know there's so much there and it was really being heralded as as such a 
what like first of its kind showing that on television and how fucking brave these couples were it weren't just a lesbian couple it was an interracial couple it was a black couple it was there was a, a married couple that was going through it was showcasing so much of like what sex can look like in its most what we think is dysfunctional forms you know stagnant sex or lesbian sex like there's so much to that and it was really being again given a lot of credit for saying like yeah okay whatever goops behind it but the people who are willing to showcase that sure it was so amazing because it oh, was I talking about out. such yes yeah, so it, it just get past the goopness of it all <laughs> And and I say all of that to bring it back home to I'm sure you've gotten, you know, lots of of very specific and personal questions pertaining to individuals. But there's this overarching uh, advice, I'm sure, of unlearning that we have to do. What is unlearning with sex and how the fuck do we even get started? <laughs> Totes. Totes my goats to all of that. <laughs> I think, Jobin. Yeah, all right, Jobin. I think that there is so much involved in what it means to unlearn harmful sex education. I think for each person, mm. it really depends on your medium of learning. If you are someone who is an auditory learner, check out some podcasts that you really like that you that the hosts make you feel comfortable and engaged and like you're learning something new. If you're someone who's an audiovisual learner, there are so many awesome YouTube shows and channels and videos that can help you understand what is going on with your body. And there's age appropriate mm. content for all ages, ages five mm. to a hundred. And I think that wow. that's that's a piece of it, right? Is the the fact that we have this idea that sex education is just a one and done class in middle school mm. and you learn about your period in fifth grade and the boys and the girls are separated <laughs> and that's what sex yep. ed is. And the reality is, is that sex ed is a lifelong process that begins in wow. kindergarten and ends when you die, basically. Um, and wow. there is age appropriate content for every single person out there. Are you talking about sex with kindergartners? No. Are you talking about sharing and being a good friend and boundaries? Yes. There are ways to appropriately discuss those things with kindergartners. Wow. You said something there that just like, I need to re like say it again. Sex education is a lifelong motherfucking process. That is huge. Like you don't just find your person. It, it's great sex. And then you're just like with them forever and never. Like, first of all, not everyone fucking wants that. Solo nope. sex is amazing. Correct. Like th there's waves, there's ups and downs. Is that the fact that it, that, in a, itself just needs to be understood because there's this pressure and again I grew up in Florida so we were having sex when we were like 13 right and there's sure. this pressure to be the expert like the girl who really knows how to give a blowjob or like the fun girl who like goes down on other girl like I'm bisexual so I'm I was way more explorative in my process but like there was this pressure to be an expert at sex by the time you're like fucking 21 yeah, no. and it's like you are not having the best sex of your life at 21 i just i i i mean unless you're very 
like grew up in like a fucking ashram or your mom's like a somatic <laughs> therapist or an OBGYN or something. Like I just have to assume no one is having the best sex of their life until you become more self-actualized. I don't know if you may, maybe you can give more clarity to that. <laughs> no, I completely agree. I mean, I think that again, when we're defining sex, I'm so glad that you brought up masturbation and solo sex because mm. that sex with yourself is possibly the best sex that you're ever going to have because you know your body the best and you can have a partner yes. or multiple partners who you can guide through your process of what feels good, but nothing is like your own body and your own intuition. So I think that mm. in terms of, quote, the best sex of your life, unquote, like that <laughs> really to me when you're talking about partnered sex is when there's open and honest communication, when there's like real questions happening to try to mm. understand what the other person's body likes and what you want and your desires and and fears and vulnerability there's a lot of communication that leads to really good sex and it's never a, a straight line upwards towards mm -mm. oh because I've been with this person for longer that means the sex is automatically better it's really an ebb and flow and that's what you said before which I really appreciated is there's mm. no point in time where sex is a straight line to anywhere. There are lots of different nope. things that can happen. <laughs> Even if you've been with someone for a long time, there's, you know, mismatched libido. There is, you mm. know, uh, hurt feelings, lack of kind of understanding mm. uh, what the other person wants. There's pain during sex. There's so many different mm. things that can be happening that are challenging for couples. And I think like one of your other questions that we'll get to eventually is kind of what is, you know, one of the misunderstandings that couples have are some of the challenges. And I think it's that lack of understanding that there's an ebb and flow to sex throughout yes. your lifespan. And, and just like reiterating that point again, that it's a lifelong process. It is, you are going to learn as you change as an adult, as you change jobs, locations, medications. Like I have no problem. And I feel like this is something I've never really talked about personally on the podcast, which is crazy because I've literally talked about like the inside of my fucking uterus, like <laughs> multiple times. Uh, but like Jared and I right now are going through like a pretty physical sexless period. Hmm. I've been posting about it on my Instagram that my panic disorder has come back pretty like heavily recently. I got off medication. I got on medication. We've been traveling. He's been going and doing shows and I have no problem. I, me four years ago would have been like, we have not had sex, but once in the last month, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with him? What am I not doing? We need to talk to our therapist about it. And now I'm like, why am, who am I keeping score for? Like, totally. what am I keeping score against? It's society, right? I know people that are in loving, having, fulfilling relationships that don't have sex for years and that's okay and normal and I think we need to start talking about those types of relationships where we're not and I'm sure this is another question you probably get asked a lot is like how many times should I be having sex with my partner and I feel like the average answer everyone always says is like two to three times a week and I'm like the fuck who has the even time when I was Yes, even when I was in like the throes of the steamiest romantic new relationship energy fucking honeymoon phase, whatever you want to call it, I was not having sex consistently two to three times a week. I am just not that person. That sounds even high to me. I don't know where you got that stat. I feel like yes. it's what I what I hear. Sex is in the city, like, probably. Oh, probably. <laughs> yeah, Samantha's like once a day, darling. Um, yeah, no, no. I feel yeah. It really is dependent on the couple and like. 
again, mm. there needs to be more open and honest communication. If both partners are like, we don't feel like it for the next couple mm. of weeks, especially we don't really talk about this, but for new parents, are you kidding me? Like, Ooh. how is there this expectation? There, We don't Huge. really allow ourselves the ability to heal, whether that be from mm. bodily changes, from medication, from trauma. Mm. We kind of set this expectation for ourselves that we're on this set schedule, and that's just not the reality of our situation. Confidants, I feel like at this point you should be able to do this ad with me because what do I believe in? Affordable therapy for all. This isn't just an ad read. This is a company that is very close to my heart. Y'all know I'm talking about BetterHelp. It is the app that has facilitated great therapeutic matches for not only me, but a ton of my friends and family. And don't worry, it is available worldwide. They are licensed professional counselors who are specialized in things like anger, LGBT matters, gay, grief, self-esteem, I hate myself, trauma, that was a ghost uh, traumatizing you, and sleeping. Everything you share is confidential, convenient, it's professional, professional, yeah, sure, and affordable. You can check out testimonials posted daily on their site, and my favorite part about it is if you don't like your therapist, baby, it's like Bumble, you can just swipe right through to get a new one, new match, get matched in under 24 hours when you sign up. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I wonder if that pandemic has anything to do with it. And I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash CI. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash C-I. I mean, that's like huge what you just touched on too with new parents because I have friends that are popping out babies left and right. And again, women feel like they are fundamentally physically a different person after having children. And the men are kind of just like, well, I'm giving them like zero credit. None of them are like <laughs> this, but just to generalize what the feeling is is like well i don't know you know now we just have a baby i don't know why we can't just go back to and women are like my body emotionally hormonally my day-to-day experience everything is different is there i don't know any advice you can touch on with new parents with sex totally yeah i think that It is super important to do things that really nourish your body in other ways Mm. that aren't necessarily sexual, but maybe that has to do with Mm. really getting cozy, whether that be, you know, watching your favorite kind of movie or TV show that like make you feel calm, whether that's like stretching, making sure that you're actively drinking enough water, like really just covering your bases and then trying to understand, okay, like if penetration is off the table what are other ways that I can be intimate with my partner whether that be like Mm. cuddling physical closeness maybe it's outer stimulation with nipple play Mm -hmm. or erogenous zones or outer Mm -hmm. clitoral play for people with vulvas and I think that Mm -hmm. as long as you are open and honest about where you're at maybe none of that sounds good and that's okay and maybe it's just like you want food and you want sleep and that is what's gonna feel best for you but my best advice would just be to take your time and try not to put pressure on yourself and be really open and honest with your feelings. And again, you're not, you're not alone. There are people in your community and your family 
in your chosen family or friend group. There are professionals like therapists. If you are are supposed to be on medication for certain symptoms or conditions that you're experiencing, don't be afraid to figure out what that might be for your body and for your mind. Mm. The weather is getting warmer, so it is time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now that I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortless, effortless, less, yeah, effortlessly chic year after year, like uh, premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from 30 doll hairs, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I can confirm this. I'm actually wearing Quince pants right now. You are. They are so, they're they're loose, they're breezy. These babies have a button, a fly, drawstring, and elastic in the band. So I can like, I can dress them up, I can dress them down. Yes. They are, they're the perfect pant for summer and I'm really comfortable as hell in them. Honestly, I am wearing the Quince 14 karat gold earring loop right now. Oh my god. I know. I think it's so cute. It does not tarnish. It is so comfy and I have sensitive ears so I'm really loving this for my body. So get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Kelsey for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Kelsey to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Kelsey. Are you looking to cut back on alcohol this year? (laughs) You are talking to two sober Sally's. You know Zach and I love to drink recess zero-proof craft mocktails because it's a guilt-free way to unwind. It has 0% alcohol made with real fruit, only 25 calories or less, and it is sweetened with agave because y'all know I got that sugar addiction. It has incredible flavors. One of my favorites is the grapefruit Paloma. The Paloma is actually one of the last drinks I was drinking when I was drinking alcohol. So this is like a nice little nostalgia moment and it still feels really fun in my hand. And there's no reason we should be missing out on the partying either. It's such a good replacement for alcohol, a great drink for having in between alcoholic drinks, unwinding at home, at dinner parties, chilling on the couch. It is endless. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash Kelsey. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. And I think it's worth reiterating too in this like timeline process that like, I, and I, it, it's, I'm only reiterating because I'm having these awakenings as we're talking that like you are only tallying numbers against yourself. Like society has told you something and you are only resubscribing that thought every time you're like, well, it hasn't been enough or we're not doing it. Or like, it's been six months since, you know, we've had the baby and that we're not intimate. Like, that is just a number period that's all it is it's a number and what you what feelings you subscribe to that i think are what matter right like if you feel like personally there's a fire inside of you and you've been wanting to rip your partner's clothes off and they aren't reciprocated like that's a different feeling exactly this number that just feels like it's looming over my head of like we don't have Completely. sex enough or as often enough or i'm not having sex with enough people or too many people like Right. I wish we could all just 
blank slate like etch a sketch ourselves with all the sexual education that we had and that's like the tough thing though about social media is like we're getting these ideas from media right and from our friends and so there is a positive to gaining this vault of resources and information and positivity and on the other side of it it's setting our expectations as to what our personal relationships and sex lives should look like and so I think exactly what you're saying Fuck the expectations, but if you are someone who wants that and you're desiring that and something is off, chat with a sex Mm. therapist, chat with a pelvic floor specialist, like chat with people Mm. who are experts in their field who can advocate for you to get you to that place where you want to be in your relationship. I love what you said there. And speaking of media, we know the show that took Netflix by storm, Sex Education. I watched it. What do you think of it? Speaking of media, are we finding that it's helpful hurting are we doing it right are we leaning in the right direction what do you think and and you know especially because I'm sure a younger audience watches that show than you know any other sex education show so what what are your thoughts yes I absolutely love the show sex education I think that I've seen all the episodes I'm completely up to date and there's so many wonderful things about it it is inclusive it's funny it's entertaining It's medically accurate and science-backed because some of their writers and consultants are real sexual health educators, which is how shows should be written. Um, They talk about diverse issues, and their cast is really incredible. And so I think overall it has done so well because it's quality content that people are craving. I do think Mm. that, and I think maybe this is just like a little insider baseball kind of situation, but I do think that they're content sometimes as a sex educator comes off a little bit like and here's where we're now going to talk about HIV (laughs) and it's like a little like in your face kind of like a PSA but like I don't care because it's still funny it's really like unique and again entertaining and so I think like overall it has done amazingly and I would love for it to keep going I think the fact that it's a all, you know, mostly British cast. It's a British production. I would have loved to also see an American version of yes. this because the yes. UK in general, of course, like we're talking about how sex education's horrific in America, probably not as great, but definitely better in the UK than it is right. here when it comes to universal health care and access to reproductive mm-hmm. health and rights. I mean, I'm not an expert on UK health care, but I do know that it is uh, a lot more accessible in general than American health care mm-hmm. is. Um, yes. And so that being said, America needs its own sex education a Sex education. <laughs> that is implemented not only in media, but in schools and in laws. And, you know, it's just I, I would love to see what that would look like in, you know, based in the U.S. and what kind of, right. what kind of content would come Version. from that. I know. I'm like, what would be different? Like, it would have to take place in a big city because I love that show. But I'm like, oh, you guys must be small like a town. small English, like countryside village, which people are probably so fucking like crazy. But still, like, I want to see her have to like run into, you know, this type of guy and this type of teacher and authority figure and then go to church. And like, you know, I think an American version would be amazing. Um, I want to take a, a skirt. I want to take a left turn and talk about sex toys because I feel like that's a, an episode that we could do an entire like deep dive into but I would love to just for 
anyone listening, especially because I know it's the holidays. Maybe you're trying to think of gifts to get people you love in your life. Is it weird to get your best friend a vibrator? Is it strange to buy your significant other a sex toy? Is it gay if a straight guy wants to try a butt plug? Like, let's talk sex toys. <laughs> really important questions. I, everyone should buy sex toys for everyone in their life. I feel like I love the that. fact that it's still somehow taboo. I mean, me as a sex educator, I do brand deals and partnerships with sex toy companies all the time. And I have so many yeah. extra and I, you know, went to my sister-in-law <laughs> and was like, take some of these sex toys. And she's like, it's kind of weird. I was like, is it just like, go do no. your thing. I don't think they're so expensive. personally. <laughs> yeah, they're, they are expensive. And especially if you want to make sure that you get good quality, safe body toys. There is a lot of crap out there and you have to make yeah. sure that you're being safe when it comes to what you're putting in and around and on your body. So I think that everyone's different when it comes to what kinds of toys that they like, but I personally mm. am a major fan of any kind of wand toy since mm -hmm. I'm really someone who appreciates, you know, broad and intense clitoral stimulation. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. But for those who are listening, if you're just starting to experiment with toys or not sure if you want to buy for someone else what kind of toys that they like, I really suggest going either online to one of these sites of like a lion's den or a good vibrations, mm -hmm. really just like an eclectic mix of toys at your yeah. disposal and or maybe message them on Instagram and just chat with someone, one of their sex educators who works there and say, okay, maybe, you know, I'm not sure what I like. There are clitoral toys, there are G-spot toys, there are toys that do both, there are kinky toys, um, there are anal, there are butt plugs, there are so many different yeah. things that you can get and buy. And so it really depends on what your experience of toys is do you want to use them by yourself do you want to use them with a partner what's your budget mm -hmm. what kind of material do you like do you like glass or do you like metal or do you like silicone it really depends mm. and so I would really suggest starting at one of those companies like a lion's den again or a good vibrations and just trying to look at their different kinds of options and buy a couple and try them and see how you feel figure out what feels the best for you when you're trying to gain pleasure or achieve orgasm. And mm. the final thing I'll say on this is lube. You might not exactly yeah. think of lube when you're thinking about sex toys, but I will never not talk about lube because it adds <laughs> so much pleasure to mm. sex with mm -hmm. yourself with a sex toy and sex with a partner with a sex toy. And so the only disclaimers I want to make, don't use oil-based lubes with condoms because they will, mm. can break. And also mm -hmm. don't use silicone-based lube with a silicone-based toy because the material can break down and it can make it more prone to bacteria. Wow. Um, so that's important that part. information to know when you're using toys. Yeah. I did not know that second thing. And I consider myself to be a bit of a toy collector. I'm, <laughs> I'm the same way in that I do a lot of brand deals. I think I, I had a stack of vibrators on my office desk the other day. And I didn't realize like every meeting I was having the, in the background, there was like a stack of like the same sex toy. And I was just like, I should probably move those or they know what conversation they're with whatever, yeah, whatever company I'm talking with. Um, I, I appreciate all of those um, warnings too, because I feel like with sex toys for me, I, a big, 
I don't want to say turn off because that's too um, much of a pun, but a big like no factor for me is if it comes with those little tiny disc batteries. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? They're like this big and then you have to stack them and there's like four disc batteries. Like if it comes with those, I'm just going to save you the trouble. Don't get those quality over quantity when it comes to sex toys, in my opinion. Yes, they can be pricey, but I think if you are doing your research like what is this stimulating what area is this is this attacking like well attacking might be the wrong word (laughs) get getting after then you can make a responsible decision to like invest in something that covers multiple areas vibrates suctions wands you know there's a lot of i wonder if there's like a quiz out there like a BuzzFeed S quiz. Oh that yeah, you what can kind of figure vibrator? out what kind of sex toy? Yeah, for sure. Like, do you prefer this or this? Yes, exactly. Mm. There are there are That's tons for... of quizzes out there. I'm sure we can find yeah. some and post them in the description yeah. of this episode. There you go. But there you go. Yeah, That'll you, link below. But yeah, you really don't know until you try and until you invest yeah. in. And there's also you know like Unbound has like really high quality mm. vibrators at low prices. So if you're someone who's like I only have 20 bucks right now. What can I really afford? Mm. A bullet vibe might be a really great option with a silicone outside. It you're, You can use it on your clit. You can use it internally. It's small. You can carry it. Like there are a lot of different ways if you're on a budget like that where you can still buy toys um, and feel good. My favorite thing about like a lot of these sex toys that are portable is that that's always like a selling point where they're like, you can take it anywhere. I'm like, I'm only... <laughs> I'm taking it like one place usually. It's either like my room or like on vacation to another room. Like I'm not, (laughs) I'm not like in the McDonald's parking lot. Like, oh, I wish I had my compactable travel size. (laughs) Maybe that should be specifically. No, that is Um, true. You have a good point. Right. I'm like, that's always such a marketing angle that I'm like, I think you guys think this is a bigger like travel experience than it actually is. I don't know. It's it's either in my my suitcase or in my... Yeah, or my drawer. Like, those are the two places that they ever go. Exactly. Um, So this was actually a question that I get asked a lot, even though I don't – I consider myself, like, a sex-positive creator. I don't necessarily consider myself, like, a sexual wellness educator or or sex educator. But a lot of times people will approach me – I think it's because of the bisexuality and the open relationship that I, you know, showcase to the world. But I get a lot of people saying, like – my partner and I are opposites in the bedroom. Like we have a solid relationship foundation, but when it comes to sex, like one of us is super vanilla and I'm making air quotes. Cause like I fucking love the flavor of vanilla. I think it's delightful, well, but that's like my number one ask is like, what am I supposed to do if I'm super kinky and the other person isn't, or maybe doesn't know if they are. Yeah, I think, again, this is such a a couple and person dependent thing, but you're not alone is the first thing that I'll say. Mm -hmm. There are different flavors of sexuality and different desires, and that's okay. There does not need to be a constant match of desire between partners. And again, the first thing I'll say, like solo sex, that's why solo sex is so important is because if you're someone who really loves watching porn or you really like doing or thinking about kinky things or using kinky toys, you can do that on your own solo time if your partner has a hard boundary for whatever reason Mm. against those things. But typically Mm. in a relationship that is loving and caring or even if it's a hookup that still is... Mm you know, conducted with respect and and care 
and desire between two parties, then that mm. other party, as long as you approach them with sincerity and with an explanation as to why you want to try to open up your boundaries, whether that be with a certain mm. kind of porn you want to watch or certain kind of sexual act or certain kind of toy, if they react in a way that says, fuck that, that's weird, mm. that's up upsetting, I hate that, maybe, number one, they've experienced some kind of trauma around that and maybe don't push it. But if they haven't, maybe they're an asshole and maybe you don't really <laughs> want to try that with them anyway. Because yeah. if you're kind to them and you express a desire that you have and they meet you with open arms and say, hey, you know what, I'm not really sure about that, but let me think about it. Then you know that there's an option on the table and at least you've approached the subject and said, hey, I've been thinking about this. I really want to try it with you because I think it would be really fun and sexy and intimate. And if they're open to it, maybe you try it, maybe they love it, and maybe you keep doing that, or maybe it becomes part of your routine, or maybe you do it once in a while. And if they're not so into it, maybe there's another thing that you can try that will still scratch that itch, so to speak, without making the other party feel uncomfortable. So I do want to say it's really about negotiation, it's about boundaries, it's about communication, it's really about understanding how you two can meet each other where you're at, and again, even if you've been with your partner for one, five, 10, 20 years, that conversation is still evolving and still happening because mm -hmm. new desires, new, new porn, new toys are always mm -hmm. coming out and new things that pique one or both people's interests still are, are happening mm -hmm. constantly. So I would say it's really, again, about that negotiation. I love that. It, like for me, there there are things now that I find sexy that I like 10 years ago didn't even know existed. And I think like I, I don't even know how it came to that. I think it maybe also just switches with what partner I like am with also. And, and there's so many there's so much out there that I think like if anyone ever feels like they're having too vanilla or stereotypical or like regular sex, like there is, I think that's everyone's fear, right? Is that they are not reaching the bounds of sexual desire that they can. And then there's some shit where I'm like, that's just too fucking much and too like that. That seems exhaustive. That seems like a lot of exercise or a lot of movement or a lot of people involved. Like there's the, the spectrum is so big and speaking of the spectrum being so big I wanted to know shifting gears once more how has your work as a sex educator changed now that society is so much more open with what sex means you know we've we grew up in the area of penis and vagina and if you grew up in Florida it was and gay people are going to hell <laughs> yeah so you know I, luckily we're not that you know vulnerable you know anymore and we make our own decisions and we've unlearned a lot uh I say we being me uh but I I just wonder like how has your even in school you know like how how have things or if have they at all changed in the way that you learn like what sex and relationships are I would have to be honest and say the first thing that's really changed about me when it comes to me doing this work is me questioning and understanding my own identities more and more mm. because as I talk with people and as I understand the boundless spectrum of sexuality of desire of labels there are so many different ways nowadays that we 
are allowed to label, label ourselves and allowed to not label ourselves. And I think that is really empowering for me as someone who grew up, who would describe myself as a straight person to say, oh, I actually wouldn't necessarily describe myself like that anymore. Even though I'm with a cis man and in a straight relationship, I think it's really empowering to think, oh, I don't really know what that label is for me right now. If it's, you know, if my sexuality is fluid, maybe that feels comfortable. If I'm looking at the Kinsey scale and I'm like, what number am I here? You know, I think, (laughs) I think it's kind of empowering to say, I also for myself, even as a sex educator, don't have all the answers and labels for who I am. And I think that's cool. I think that is meaningful for, for me. Mm -hmm. And I can be honest about that with my guests and say, hey, I'm still figuring this stuff out as well. And that is totally okay for everyone to be Mm. evolving on this journey throughout their life. Yeah, because we can't shame the educators either, right? Like, I I feel like that's counterproductive is that we're all learning. Like, there are terms and identities and fluidities that we just didn't talk about. 10 years ago and I think like everyone is still kind of figuring it out like you know the classic question I think was always like what is lesbian sex is it scissoring like that was the day and it's like why does why does lesbian sex have to be one thing like we just spent all these years smashing the patriarchy of like what penetrative sex is and isn't and why do we have to like we and I, I say this often on this podcast, Jasmine Robin said this, but labels are to make other people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a relationship and you're like, I don't know what I like and don't like and am discovering about myself and my identity. I think it all goes back to this beautiful thing that you said in the beginning is like this sexual wellness journey is never ending. It starts, you know, whenever you are sexually comfortable and it ends the day that you die. And that is constantly changing and I think will continue to change as society changes right like what are your hopes maybe for the future of like sexual wellness and education oh my god I have so many since we're doing so poorly (laughs) right now so really good to hope I guess um end on a high note yeah let's end on a high note I mean this is a (laughs) wild fact but only 18 U.S. states require sex ed to be medically accurate so, so that's where we're at with that. Um, like something less than 15 states require sex ed to discuss consent in the classroom. There are so oh. many upsetting stats that I can share, but I'll just stop at those two and say yeah. <laughs> my hope for the future and however long it'll take to get there, I hope sooner than later. But my hope is really that all young people, really all people, but predominantly all young people get access to comprehensive, queer-inclusive, science-backed, medically accurate, age-appropriate, pleasure-centered sex education. And I think that if we keep having these conversations, we keep making media and keep having people get excited about these kinds of conversations and this kind of learning, and we have advocates doing the hard work of fighting those lawmakers, making sure that schools are being put in the right place to have their teachers facilitate those kinds of conversations, we will get there with time. (laughs) I'm just like thinking like, 
who my fifth grade teacher, Miss Lafredo, did not sign up to be a fucking sex educator. Like she did not. No. That was not her job. Why didn't we? Why did we make our fifth grade teachers one day out of the year become like the most fucking like uncomfortable? Why did we do that to them? She was probably that great, so- but very unqualified. I'm gonna guess. <laughs> Yes, like, oh my God, as if you don't already see your teachers in a certain way, like, gee, that's what made me laugh. But also, I think what you said about what kind of hope and what kind of sex you hope for young people, I feel like you need to make that into merch. We have it. We have it. We actually have, with the thing I just said, in whatever order of those words, we have t-shirts, we have stickers, we have mugs, we have masks. I'll send you some links. I was going to say, absolutely. Like, Jesus, the the marketing influencer in me can't help but realize, like, that was such a good way of saying that. And there you go. You're two steps ahead. But speaking of all the merch and where people can find you, Danielle, please, you've been such a great guest. Please tell the confidants where they can find out more about you and your sexual education. I would love to. You can find us on our website, sexedwithdb.com. If you're on all the socials, on TikTok, we are at sexedwithdb as well as on Twitter at SexAdWithDB, on Instagram, we're at SexAdWithDB Podcast, and on Facebook, we're at EdWithDB. Check us out on YouTube, really listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, whatever they're calling it nowadays, SoundCloud. (laughs) Um, Feel free to listen in, and we are going to be coming out with a new podcast season um, in the spring of 2022, so tune in. And if you want to catch up on the Segs Ed Show, you can watch that on our reels, yes. on our website, and on TikTok and YouTube. So check it out. That was fantastic. Couldn't have said it better myself. All of that will also be linked below. Confied on. Make sure to check out those podcasts. We love a podcast share here. And oh my gosh, I think I think this is the last episode of the year. Let me check my calendar really fast, but I'm pretty sure I feel this is honored. the last episode of the year. Yeah, holy shit. That, what a year it's been. I can't think of a better way to tie a bow, literally, on the end of the year. Send us off into the new year with such confidence and sexual education. Uh, so thank you so much, oh, Danielle. And Coffee Dance, we you will see me. you next year. I only get to do that joke once a year. There it went. <laughs>